0: Annenberg Media. This is the Annenberg Learner Podcast, where we aim to elevate the education profession through conversations that inspire, recognize, and encourage innovation and best practices in the field. We track the lived experience of teachers, students, and parents alongside the ecosystem that serves them. Guest speakers will share what's working and the steps we can take to reimagine and redesign teaching and learning for our most vulnerable populations. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Annenberg Learner podcast. This episode is part two of a conversation we had about the college football playoff champion educators. In part one, we interviewed Renata Simrel, president and CEO of the LA84 Foundation, who spoke about the benefits of play and movement for our youth. And today we welcome Jason Morgan, a recipient of the college football playoff champion educator award, and his mentor, Catherine Bork. A South Central Los Angeles native, Christian husband, and father of three, Jason Lee Morgan was a bust kid and lived firsthand the inequities of our school system, having to travel an hour outside of his community on a bus each day to receive a quality education. His unique experience with public schools and systemic injustice trauma growing up as a young Black male has empowered him to champion engaging and equitable learning opportunities for all underrepresented families who stay in their local district while also shining light on the unique stories and assets that exist in the culture and people of communities of color. Upon graduation from Stanford University, Jason became a teacher in a community like his. He has served the great community of Compton Unified as a math and avid teacher, curriculum designer, coordinator, and specialist for the past 17 years. Jason, a current in-classroom teacher specialist, brought the first data science course to Compton Unified in partnership with Stanford's UCube nonprofit. He advocates within the broader educational landscape as a presenter and early career teacher mentor with Above and Beyond Teacher Leadership Academy and as a Teach Plus Education Policy Fellow, currently engaged in policy work in diversifying California's teacher workforce in partnership with EdTrust West. In 2023, Jason was honored as a college football playoff legacy champion educator, whereupon receiving the grant, founded the Student Empathy Network for Diversity Student Fellowship that leverages the power of movement to build empathy between historically segregated student communities and promotes access to movement and play in non-athletic settings whilst informing education policy reform with student voice. He is currently proposing a Compton math equity project called the i Too Am A Mathematician Summer Math Experience as the founder and CEO of Quigs Creation, Inc., an educational services provider and media entity that amplifies the dignity and potential of all humans for positive global stewardship. Jason and his mentor, Catherine, with us today share the passion that movement is an integral part of learning and that we must connect the mind and the body in order for the learning to stick. Welcome, Jason, and welcome, Catherine.
1: Thanks for having us. That was an extremely long bio.
0: (laughs) 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 Well, you have a lot of uh, experience and accomplishments, and we're really honored to have you today to speak to some of those. I'd like to start just with um, your recent award and recognition as the 2023 College Football Playoff Legacy uh, recipient. Can you share about the Student Empathy Network for Diversity Student Fellowship?
1: Gladly. I thought for sure I was not going to receive the the grant. (laughs) The majority of the applicants, they're athletic directors, PE teachers, coaches, wellness counselors, and like, here I come, a math teacher talking about using movement in his math class who now wants to spread the community-building effect of movement through an initiative to bridge the empathy gap between segregated communities in Southern California. (laughs) And I was getting lost trying to explain it all um, so much so that the, the LA 84 foundation had to jump on a call to, for me to clarify what I actually wanted to do. And I was like, I was fumbling over my words. And I told my wife after that call, I was like, babe, it's over. I blew it. It's a wrap. Just just go ahead and call it. I thought I just confused them further and it was done. But obviously, that wasn't the case. And I'm super grateful to the LA Sports Entertainment Commission and the LA 84 Foundation and the College Football Playoff Foundation just for believing in me and taking a chance on that vision. Um, And it really speaks volumes, I believe, to their commitment to play equity, even in these non traditional spaces. So, our project is called the Send. Network so student ambassador fellowship, and what we do is we leverage the power of movement to connect historically segregated communities in order to cultivate empathy-driven impact in our local and global spaces. So our first sin fellows um, are actually my my students who were introduced to movement-based pedagogy in my math class, mm-hmm. and they join me for like the past four years for this cohort where I was piloting math reform in Compton and the students got to stay with me all four years. One of my fellows, uh, Miriam, she's uh, taken me for five math courses (laughs) since her freshman year. I'm the only math teacher she's known, poor child. But movement like really helped us to deepen the understanding of the content, but we also realized that it had this remarkable impact on like the sense of belonging and community we had in the classroom. And so the question was then posed like, well, how might we as ambassadors from Compton utilize this discovery to build community between different student populations, especially in this age of polarization? And so the pioneers of this work are Compton educators like myself and uh, Catherine and uh, Billy Ney and um, Alicia Elias, our community relations specialist, and my math students who got introduced to this crazy guy. Doing movement in their math class.
0: You can subscribe to the Annenberg Learner podcast on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Got it. There's a couple things I want to dive into. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Uh, One, so what is it that the students are doing as ambassadors of this program? And then I'm also just really curious about how the students were with you for five years. That sounds like an incredible opportunity for them to. Deepen their learning and trust, and all all of that, the benefits of having the same teacher over time.
1: Well, we kind of have like this threefold mission. We're trying to build a cultural exchange and empathy between diverse communities. So, there's a lot of segregation and disconnect within the Southern California and LA region. And we bring these groups together. So, we have students from Compton, we have students from uh, North Hollywood, Burbank, Silver Lake, and their families and parents get involved. And these communities typically would not intersect. And so we create these movement-based experiences and domestic exchanges. That's one aspect. We believe in the power of movement, so we get to impact our local communities through movement-based service projects. One is part of the Compton Math Equity Project, where our student fellows from Compton were able to lead a math movement and mindfulness workshop at the local elementary school for second graders. Having that impact, the SIN fellows coming in, they have their SIN shirts, and they come in as a team and interacting and giving back to their community through movement. And then the third aspect is being able to allow the students' stories and their experience with this program and this fellowship to inform educational equity policy from the student's perspective. And then they envision how might movement play a key role in improving equity for, for everybody.
0: Can you tell us what are those uh, five courses that you've taught?
1: For this model, it was integrated math one, two, three, and data science. And she's take, Miriam's taking me for data science for a second year. Very thankful for that. Just That's opened up doors for other pathways for students who are interested in pursuing deeper mathematical subjects. From that, that's opened up the door for current group of juniors who are trying to take AP Calculus or uh, BC, which we don't technically offer. This cohort, we're kind of being more creative about giving students access to upper level mathematics.
0: The data science course, that I, I don't know that that's Typical in as a math offering in high school. Can you speak to a little bit about how that came about at your school site and district?
1: In working through like different approaches for math reform, I came across Stanford's UQ nonprofit. So I've been using their resources within the classroom, just feeling that it was very important for our students in Compton to have access to open creative math tasks that had low floors, high ceilings, um, where everybody can participate and enter, and then they could take their math levels to these very high, what we call low floor, high ceiling. Stanford was piloting a new data science course. Instead of waiting for it to come down 10 years down the line to Compton Unified, I said, no, this needs to be here now. So I got in touch with some of the, the folks at u and they said, we're doing the pilot. Do you want to be a part of it? I said, yes, sign me up. They had already done a lot of work for the A through G eligibility and getting it approved by the UCs and Cal States so that it was legit. But you still had to write the course description to for the district, which mm-hmm. was a beast. <laughs> and it took a lot. But is that important? So you just go through that long, arduous template and put it together and it was approved to be a math course and even um, given an honors weight.
0: That's great. And is this now a widespread offering in the district?
1: No. So okay. currently, <laughs> we're, we're working on it. Um, hmm. Currently, this is the second year of it being offered within the district. I'm still the only data science teacher. I do believe that our Compton Early College is also adopting uh, data science. And I know that LAUSD, they have a data science course through UCLA. We knew these things were being offered to communities like ours, but you know it takes a little bit extra effort to make sure that it, it gets into the hands of the people, and we need people to champion it. Even now, as I'm a curriculum specialist, I am not supposed to be teaching, but I said, I, one, the data science course needs to continue, and I believe it's important as a curriculum specialist to stay connected to the classroom and to students. Like I said, I've been very privileged because I'm not supposed to have my giant classroom. <laughs> I'm not supposed to have a cl- uh, be able to teach a class, but they the Compton Unified has given me a lot of flexibility to this impact, and I'm very grateful.
2: And Morgan, you've earned that because you're good at what you do, and you have a lot of ideas. And they want to they want to watch you f- and follow those ideas out. Thank you. <laughs> That's
0: fantastic. It's great to hear when teachers are um, surrounded by supportive leadership and are really allowed to grow in their practice and and develop um, these new initiatives that will have a, a significant impact for students.
3: As part of its mission to advance excellent teaching in American schools, Annenberg Learner funds and distributes educational video programs with coordinated online and print materials for the professional development of K 12 teachers. Many programs are also intended for students in the classroom and viewers at home with videos that exemplify excellent teaching. K 12 educators, students, and lifelong learners may access Annenberg Learner resources for free at learner.org. Please note, rights restrictions may limit the availability of some series. For the latest information about learner programming and availability, sign up for the Annenberg Learner Newsletter at learner.org.
0: And just taking it back a little bit to the movement that you integrated in your math Mm -hmm. classroom, when we think about teaching and learning math, we don't usually think about play or movement, sometimes not even joy, unfortunately. So how did you get to this point in your teaching career where movement did become part of your, of your teaching? What was that journey like for you?
1: I don't know what you're talking about, Nati. Like, <laughs> you never <laughs> walked this space in your math class and broke a sweat? That wasn't like the norm? Um, I don't know. Well, it's probably broke a sweat just from like the, the pressure and math trauma that we all face. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you know, there's a lot of things that take away the joy of mathematics, especially by the time the students get to me, right? There's a lot of unlearning that I have to do with the students and getting them to really develop a, a more positive and healthy relationship with mathematics. When I became a teacher, like, like I said, the first years I had no clue what I was doing. And it just looked like my own experience growing up. And, but I eventually, I started incorporating like more tactile manipulatives, especially for my math intervention students. Uh, we would used station rotations. Um, and one of the stations always had something physical, I called it algebra trash ball. And we would do these ball and barbie and rubber band experiments. And the students enjoyed that, especially some of my, my boys who uh, typically don't enjoy anything. And then we began including some of these playful activities, just kind of getting the students uh, more access to STEM within their math classes. And so when personnel or dis- district leaders would come visit and observe our classroom, one of the biggest notes that they made was like, the students are having fun in a mm-hmm. math classroom. And <laughs> for some reason, that was so shocking that they were having fun and engaged in math. And, and so it's why is that not the expectation already? So I wanted to do more than what I, you know, grew up, my experience was like, but my journey to like this deep love affair with movement, but it came like I was awarded this, um, this honor called the Outstanding Teacher of America Award in 2017 by the Carlson Family Foundation. It's now called the Above and Beyond. It's a public charity. Um, and we kind of focus on equitable educational opportunities for every student and celebrate and support outstanding and inspirational California public high school teachers, Um, especially those teachers working in underserved school communities. Mm -hmm. But you can only be nominated by former students. Oh, wow. They get to speak at the ceremony and they give you the award and you don't know who it is. And so it's it's just very meaningful. And so I was thankful to be honored that way. And during that award weekend, past honorees, they host an educator's symposium. And during that symposium, I was introduced to two amazing educators, Brian Katz, and then the amazing Cole Robinson. She's an award-winning uh, dance instructor, um, and she is an advocate for dance education and movement. Um, she also led one of our uh, SEND workshops. And so they just had all of this rich professional knowledge and they just introduced me to these movement experiences and workshops at a, the symposium. And it just, it changed my life. I could never explain to anyone the power of movement. they were like, what do you do? You just move and walk around all day? I was like, I don't know. You just have to be there and experience it. Those workshops, they just had a profound impact. It even made the other presenters like more playful in how they presented their strategies. And I was just hooked. And I was like, I got to bring this back. To my students in Compton, I got to bring it back to my colleagues. And so I use it wherever I go. My math classrooms are not known for like these hubs of belonging and community, but like movement can really build that sense of uh, community and support, I believe is very essential for students being able to thrive in a mathematics classroom, especially for students of color and communities like Compton. If you foster that sense of belonging and community in math spaces, that increases their access to math achievement and STEM-related fields because they see themselves and movement can really create that kind of atmosphere. And then once you have that, like the sky's the limit, even in a math classroom.
0: Can you describe to us what a class might look like where there is movement and what is the experience like for your students?
1: Well when I first started off, I was crazy. Those first students, because you know, you like you come down from the mountaintop and you just you have all this the, you have the knowledge, right? It's glowing in your hands and you just want to bring it back to the masses. And so those students for like a week, they came into the classroom, this is their math class, and there are no desks and no chairs. And they don't get to sit the whole entire period. They're just connecting. We're doing. They're demonstrating prior knowledge through movement. They're learning how to work together as a team. They're building shapes and structures and being able to use do translations with their body, mirror reflections, um, and there was lots of laughter, joy, connecting, and learning about one another, learning about. Their, their conceptual understanding of mathematics, because they had to like express it through their bodies. Since then, I've learned to calibrate. I don't like really just throw people into the deep end anymore. We always start off with our warm-ups, our physical warm-ups, mm. and we start off with connection. Students, when they come in, we focus a lot on on uh, mingling. There's going to be a prompt that lets them know what they need to talk about and mingle about. And that's really to continue to foster this uh, strong sense of community in the math classroom so that they feel safe with one another in this authentic, this authentic way. And so we start off with a circle. We stretch. We breathe. We open up the bodies. We talk about transitioning from whatever happened last period or what happened in the car on the car ride um, to school. And we just kind of transition our bodies physically. And then we'll walk this space and you have music in the background. They'll be given different prompts. So one of my favorites was right before the pandemic, we did the zombie apocalypse. And then after the pandemic, my students were like, "Mr. Morgan, you're a prophet. You knew it was coming." So we would talk about the exponential, you know growth of, of diseases. And so they would all stand as a, as a class, like in this kind of grid next to each other. And then they would tap themselves on the shoulder at the same rate. And they would all go down, and that was a linear rate. And the next time each person would tap two people at a time. So show the exponential factor of like, okay, two folks are sick, and then four, and then uh and then eight, and then sixteen, and then thirty-two, and then sixty-four. And they just saw how quickly it spread throughout the class. And we created this visual model to help deepen the understanding of the concepts. But it's also is very helpful especially for some of my newcomer students so students who are new to the country we had one student this year she had very limited english she was able to really communicate with her peers through these movements and gestures or learning the data science process to really help with memory retention but oftentimes like if we can't communicate with each other by language we oftentimes start resorting to movement with our bodies so just Deepen her access to the material. Um, And I was just thankful for just the opportunity to serve uh, multilingual students and that we created a space where she could still feel like she could access challenging material, even though there was kind of this language uh, challenge. The
3: Annenberg Foundation is a family foundation that provides funding and support to nonprofit organizations in the U.S. and globally. The foundation is dedicated to addressing the critical issues of our time through innovation, community, compassion, and communication. To learn more, go to Annenberg.org. I mean, I think you've
0: kind of hinted at this, but what is your vision for math education?
1: One of the benefits of the Champions Educate Here Legacy Program is that the LA Sports Entertainment Commission, they produced these videos of our work and they interviewed our students. And so they told us to invite one student. And obviously I invited three. And some of the things that they said also tie into Part of that vision of mathematics is like, how do students feel when they enter into the math space? So one of our SIN fellows and my math student, Michael, he, he said, um, I love how movement gives me a sense of family among my classroom. And I only feel this in Mr. Morgan's class. Wow. And then Nasir said, honestly, I feel more teachers should be teaching this because I feel there's too much of the same. And this is completely different. I was just thankful to have fostered a space where students could learn math, but at the same time flourish as as humans. But ultimately, I want that math classroom to be a place where students feel seen and heard. They're given access to not only learn math facts, but to actually get their hands dirty with being actual mathematicians from a young age. And exploring and solving problems in the world that interest them, where these mathematical tools and concepts are a source of, of empowerment for them to be good stewards of their communities and their passions. And my current focus right now is with the Compton Math Equity Project, and we're trying to cultivate and sustain equitable math experiences for students of color through these, uh, what we call deconstructing anti racist math approaches, building Strong, mindful, and culturally relevant math identities and communities, and just enhancing our students' like vibe with math through movement and play-based mathematics. And so, the Play Equity Fund like really allowed our STEM program to support this effort um, because we also ordered active like math and STEM play equipment to utilize in our service projects with the elementary school students and include that in our. We're proposing a summer math camp at the local elementary school here in Compton.
0: That's great, and would those be taught by some of the high school students?
1: Yeah, so it's a collaboration. So the the model I use for my company is like homegrown talent. So the community serving the community. So contracting with teachers from the district and high school students and compensating them as interns. The CIF fellows are great with the kids. Like if if you're going to do like a workshop with kids, like you need the high school students in there to give back to the community. They love it. The younger kids love it. For example, we have second graders for this cohort, their current second grade teacher, and then allowing them to be cohorted with their upcoming third grade teacher and have those teachers be a part of the summer math camp. So they're already kind of building those relationships the students are involved helping with math, um, active math play. Um, I have alumni also who um, get involved with the workshops. So it's really about, you know, the community giving back to the community. Yeah, so I just think it's very powerful to to tap in the homegrown talent.
0: Yes, um, you, you know, a lot of what you're describing like i think of it as bigger than math right there's the the family the connectedness mm-hmm. the feeling safe and belonging and empowerment and discovering their passions jason i'm curious how did you how did what was your own education experience like and how did you get to the point where you wanted to get uncomfortable to to do what's what's better for students
1: i education <laughs> man <laughs> <laughs> so i was um you mentioned I was born in South Central Los Angeles. If you guys think of the movie Boys in the Hood, that was filled in, in my neighborhood. Right, Those were what my homes looked like. That's what I knew. And so my te- my siblings and I, we attended our local elementary school. But in the first grade, my teacher told my mom to bust me out. They were considered in the 70s and 80s, if you're economically disadvantaged community, you would get bus to a wealthier and oftentimes there was more white dominated area to attend school. And you, and you could go back and forth as well. But during the 80s, it stopped being a lot of the fourth. So I didn't see a lot of students from the wealthier neighborhoods coming to my neighborhood. It, it became one sided. There was this idea that you had to get out in order to get a good education. So I went an hour outside of South Central Los Angeles to Northridge, California. And it was it was true. I like received a high quality education. Um, but at the same time, I'm wrestling through all these stereotypes. Um, I went from the highest performing student in South Central, my South Central school, to the lowest performing student at my school in Northridge, California. And it was predominantly white, Jewish, and Korean. And guess what my worst subject was? Math. <laughs> <laughs> so that was math trauma. I'm wrestling with these stereotypes that black men are are ignorant and not as, as smart. And here I am like the lowest performing student. And so I had that going on. It was this like extreme racial and social economic culture shift. And I'm in elementary school trying to make sense of it all, make sense of my own like racial identity, where do I fit? Why are these things different? And why did I have to leave my home to get this quality education? And so a lot of that like fueled my own desire to make sure that we provide these premier and authentic educational experiences for for the families who stay. Even though I struggled, I eventually did um, begin to excel in school. Wherever I went, I wanted to be the best. And so I eventually adapted by by third grade, and um, I did well. I graduated uh, valedictorian of my high school. I got a five on my AP calculus exam. See, I got into Stanford University. So um, I figured it out. And then math became my favorite subject again until freshman year at Stanford. And I realized that my procedural understanding of math and my five on the AP calculus meant nothing because Stanford professors wanted to you to understand the concepts and you need to use mathematical creativity. And I was like, huh? I don't know how to do that. It was touch and go there, but I also understand that I'm in the minority. Not not everyone had that type of school experience and just doing the same thing that I experienced is not going to hit all of the personality types, is not going to hit all cultures and backgrounds.
2: Even and Morgan, just, I think that brings that, us back to SEND too, because that's mm-hmm. why I feel like you created SEND was so that our students, when they get to college for the first time, don't feel like that outsider status. Would, would yeah. you agree
1: with that? Yep, I would say definitely, like that's definitely one of the aspects where they can kind of be able to interact with these different communities. also to highlight just the beauty that's within communities like Compton like Compton has like a rich history the people the culture when you come visit the families and having workshops held at Compton and people saying this is my first time in Compton and them just being able to see our campus and our students and just you know it helps break down those stereotypes of of what it means to be from communities like Compton
0: Thank you for sharing about your experience and your current school community. Something that I'm picking up is you have 17 plus years of experience. It sounds like you're continuously learning and connecting to these organizations that that help you in your own development as a teacher. And you have this wonderful mentor. What advice do, would you have to a new recent math teacher who's starting off in their career to be able to really make, make it a, a long for impactful career and working with kids?
1: In education, I think if you, there's a lot of pressure to just kind of comply with what the system is asking of you. And I serve as an early career teacher mentor and a lot of our early career teachers, they, you know, I, folks are like, oh, you're just so bright-eyed. But they really want to make an impact. And just like I wanted to, I want to make an impact but they also feel this pressure of like, I got to get tenure. I can't really push, you know, push the envelope or, but all at the same time, they're kind of like suppressing their own spirit and their passion and their desire. So one, one of my encouragements is just, you need to kind of be bold within education. You have to be bold for our kids and your own human spirit. Like, it is unhealthy <laughs> to continually violate one's conscience. For the sake of compliance we see the gaps and the holes and in our our heart of hearts like we know we we must do something radically different but the fear of the unknown the pressure and this like tattered yet safe tether of the familiar just like paralyzes us and it keeps us swimming in these circles so to create the change that we need we have to explore uncharted territory within education And we need to make it a safe space for educators to do that. Um, The system evolves slowly. So it will take the courage and creativity of day-to-day practitioners to forge those new pathways and push the boundaries. And as uh, John Lewis said, get into a bit of good trouble. I would say a good place to start. Go ahead and get your students up and moving.
0: I love it. I love it. Being bold.
3: The Annenberg Learner Podcast is supported in part by Abre. Get real-time insights into what's working and what's not with K through 12's number one modern data solution. Abre. Learn more today at Abre.io. That's A-B-R-E.io.
0: Jason, Catherine, is there anything else that you would like to share with our learner audience?
2: I'm just thinking that sometimes curiosity is is messy. It's one of those messy things that we go through. We got to be messy. We got to be a little noisy. We got to be dangerous and classrooms need to maybe be a little messy, a little noisy, a little dangerous through this movement so that we can give them an opportunity to actually discover stuff. If they're discovering, if we're just, if they're just sitting down reading books and mm-hmm. uh, and I love books, don't get me wrong. If we're just filling them up with information that information isn't going to stick until it, it it sits in with movement and you get that mind-body-soul connection. If we just make it all about the mind, we're leaving a bunch of students out who need to make that connection to their body too.
1: There's growing research on what we call embodied cognition, right? The, the, the physical body and its benefits and connections to cognitive abilities. And it used to be kind of like this fringe area of research, but now, now that we can do the brain scans, like we, we see the interconnectedness of the, the body's interaction with the environment, and how it impacts the, the body and wellness and your mind and even your ability to learn. Just get out there and be creative and like how you can incorporate movement into what you do in all aspects of your life, not even just in the classroom, but just in your own personal lives as well, in the workplace, because doing so is not a disservice. Because the more we have folks incorporating movement into their life and their students' lives, we learn more and we can get better at it and we can take advantage of a resource that we might be underutilizing.
0: Thank you so much for your time today and for sharing all of this wonderful, these wonderful insights. I know our learner audience will really appreciate this and hopefully spur some curiosity and interest in integrating movement in their own classrooms. The Annenberg Learner podcast joins the catalog of multimedia professional learning content to support educators teaching in more effective ways. Annenberg Learner is the education division of the Annenberg Foundation. Learner supports the foundation's mission to encourage the development of more effective ways to share ideas and knowledge. Go to learner.org or contact us at podcast at learner.org.